I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 181. Donna's um, not sick, but she still sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Just like raspy sexy. Oh, thank you. In the weird way. <laughs> no kink shame. I mean, some of you may be into it, man. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was on Discord last night and everyone was like, you sound so much better. I was like, I feel so much better. And then proceeded to have a coffin fed. You know who I hope isn't sick? That was terrible. That was terrible, but Patreoners! <laughs> I mean, we hope no one's sick. Of us? Huh? Oh, true, true, true. Sorry, I was <laughs> like, well, all right, well, let me get up to fucking speed on, you know, words. And while I'm at it, I will thank Lauren P. from Arizona. Melissa C. from California. Hannah O. from the UK. Sarah S. from Utah. Heather J. from Minnesota. Hillary L. from Indiana. Sierra T. from Tennessee. And, oh, that was a good one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is a good one. And Rachel W. from Illinois. Thank you all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Now, again, we realize that times are tough and not everyone can afford to support us on Patreon, which we completely understand. But if you can't, there are other ways to support us that don't involve financial means. You can always review us on, well, wherever you get your podcasts, but primarily on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us and like and share all the things on social media. So on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, we're at the APC Podcast. Our Facebook group is A Paranormal Chicks Group. I know that you go first this week, but I'm so excited about my story. Great. She's not even going to listen to my story because she's going to be thinking about hers. Let me just give you a hint. Okay. Do you remember that documentary that I told y'all to watch that was called like the the wild whites of West Virginia or whatever? Uh-huh. This is the Ohio version of them. Oh, well, today I'm doing something a little bit different. And by that, I mean, I am going to tell you about the life story of Lawrence Bader. He was born on December 2nd, 1926 in Akron, Ohio. What? Yeah, I know. When you said that, I was like, well, that's weird. Oh, my gosh. Synchronicity, y'all. He had childhood dreams of being just like his dad, Stephen, all the way to being a dentist when he grew up, just like his daddy was. However, that didn't end up happening. He dropped out of high school and joined the Navy in 1944, but that only lasted two years, and then he decided to go back, get his diploma, and go to college. However, that's really where he knew his childhood dreams were just that, dreams, and unattainable due to his grades. But that's okay that his college career only lasted a semester because that's where he met the love of his life, Mary Lou Knapp. They got married in 1952 and quickly grew their family of two to three, then four, and then five. Lawrence knew he needed to find a job that he was going to be good at because he needed to provide for his growing family. So that led to his career for lifetime distributors as a cookware salesman. Lawrence lived a normal life. He was an outdoorsman and something that just kind of speaks to his personality, like that he went to extremes a lot, like dropping out of high school, joining the Navy, then leaving, going back, going to college, then doing, you know, it was just like boom, 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 boom. He's just that guy. 
Anyway, so he wore a real buckskin when he was hunting. Like, just extreme. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, you are doing the most, Lawrence. You're doing the most. When really you should be doing the least? Question yeah. mark. <laughs> like, again, he's just that guy. Okay, you sounded how you said that guy. <laughs> you, I know you're not going to know this and it's going to mean nothing to you, but if y'all listen to, which is really funny, that, that we said all of that because the Absolutely Not podcast, that's exactly how Heather McMahon says, that guy. And like, that sounded nothing like you just said. But she always says where we do like the absolutely the most and the least or something like that. Oh, like really? It's so funny that... Yeah. That's what like the, what we said. And then you sounded just fucking like her. <laughs> and I have no idea who you're talking about. I know. Well, also, he was an award-winning archer. And his friends called him a nice family man. Quote, he was a red-blooded, beer-drinking, all-around nice guy who would talk your ear off and you'd love to sit and listen. So again, he was that guy. For a while, things were good for the Bader family. But his job wasn't as lucrative as he thought it would be, and the growing brood and back debt that he had just weighed heavy on Lawrence. That weight grew even heavier because Mary Lou became pregnant with their fourth child. God, four kids. Fast forward just a little bit to May 15th, 1957, when Lawrence drove to Cleveland for business. Before he left, Lawrence told Mary Lou that after his business meetings were finished, he was going to go fishing, and then he would come home. Well, Mary Lou was like, uh, hey, I'm freaking four months pregnant over here, and I have to take care of all of our other kids, so maybe X-day that fishing trip and come straight home? You know what Lawrence told Mary Lou? Oh, God. Quote, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe I will throat punch you, maybe I won't. <laughs> right? We don't condone violence, but what a dick! And also... He did, in fact, go fishing after work. There's receipts that show he went to Eddie's Boathouse, where he rented a boat. And it's located on Rocky River, which empties into Lake Erie. And he just seemed like he was kind of a dick to the boat rental guy, too. His name was Lawrence Kotler. Lawrence said the man that he spoke to, Lawrence Bader, our Lawrence, asked for a boat with lights, even though it wasn't really getting dark anytime soon. And when Lawrence, the boat guy, noted that, Lawrence Bader kind of, like, bit his head off and was like, I won't when I won't. So it was this weird, rude exchange that left an impact on Lawrence, the boat guy, and the fact that Lawrence Bader had a suitcase with him. Later on that day, the Coast Guard approached Lawrence and said, hey, look, there's a storm coming in, which boat Lawrence had told him to, but our Lawrence seemed unwavered by it. But unfortunately, the next day, that rented boat was found a little more than five miles away from Eddie's boathouse, but there was no Lawrence Bader. There was some damage to the boat, but it didn't point to it capsizing or anything like that. Of course, the Coast Guard searched for Lawrence, but there was no sign of him or his suitcase. The search continued for two months, but then law enforcement had to kind of wash their hands of it And 30-year-old Lawrence Bader was declared officially dead. Damn. So that would be like a really short life story if I stopped there. And it really wouldn't be a story that I covered if it was just like that. But yeah, so there's so much more to this story. 
but it's not with Lawrence Bader per se. Okay, so let's fast forward four days later from when Lawrence went missing. A man named John Johnson entered a bar in Omaha, Nebraska. He was a charmer, and he just had that je ne sais quoi. Ed even had a cool nickname to boot. He said that everyone called him Fritz. He was looking for a job as a bartender, and he said that he had just gotten back from a 14-year naval career, and so he came in carrying a suitcase and a large canvas bag. He had a Navy-issued license to prove his service, and so when he was talking to the bar's owner, Fritz let him know that he had a bad back, and that's what led to his discharge. Everything was on the up and up, though, and he had been traveling the country for a bit. That's why he came in with the suitcase and this canvas bag. Like, he just arrived, and hey, I'm going to bartend. Fritz also told of his nickname and said that, you know, he doesn't want to be called John Johnson Everyone's always called him Fritz. He was born into an orphanage, and everyone there was given a very generic name, like John Johnson, but people called him Fritz due to his likeness of a comic strip character that was popular, like, in the 20s. He really liked that name, and he had everything in that name. He never went by John Johnson. Even checks were made out to Fritz. Well, and Fritz got the job. He was a really popular, charismatic guy. Everyone who came in contact with him loved him. But he was quirky. Like, sometimes he would show up on his dates, because he was single, with an old hearse that he made into, like, a lounge space in the back. Decked out with a coffee bar, an incense burner, and lots and lots of pillows for comfort. Um, sidebar... Have you seen that? I don't know if this new bug company here that has a, a hearse that has a hearse mm-hmm. with like, yeah, is it like a termite uh-huh. or whatever on it? And I was like, what the fuck? Yes, I have. That's hilarious. But yes, because at first I thought it was an R word and we looked and it's a termite. Like it was a termite company, I think. I didn't know. I couldn't remember what the animal, like what the ro- Whatever that is, bug, insect, rodent, whatever the fuck it is. But it's like on the roof, on the back. Like, the termite's on its back, on the roof of the car. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But like, what, Fritz? Um, I mean, cool, if you want to do the hearse thing. But like, not on a first date. And well, I just can't fuck where dead people have been like transported in like the same thing. Like, I know they have been back there. Yeah, but then on the other hand, though... I mean, show your fucking cards, man. If you're an oddball, let them know from the jump. If they can't handle it, bye. Uh, sure, but there's different, there's levels of oddballness. Yeah, but if for he's, the first date. Yeah, but if he's willing to do that on a first date, you're just fucking scratching the surface. Oh, yeah. Well, another thing about Fritz is that he was an amazing archer. Like, he ended up winning several championships and not just local ones either. He loved bartending. He loved being a people's person, you know, that way. But he had dreams. And that was to become a broadcaster. He practiced honing his skills. And by 1959, he was hired on at a local station. He had that unusual flair about him. So he was just, again, that oddball. But he loved being a local celebrity that he had become. 
because he would always do these stunts and stuff. And he was just known to be a wild child kind of person. He once pulled a stunt where he sat in a box on the top of a 50-foot flagpole for 15 days straight. And this was to raise awareness and money for polio. Wait, he was on a... I need you to tell me that one more time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was on a 50-foot flagpole in a box, and he sat there. So how did he use the bathroom? Well, I'm... In a bucket? I'm guessing a bucket and a mop. That's, That's a, a... Nasty. <laughs> fucking Nasty. Oh, God. Meanwhile, of course, that's the first go-to. Like you said, he was up there for... I was like, how do you fucking go to the bathroom? Right. I mean, some people might have thought it was raining. That's disgusting, ma'am. <laughs> Accurate, but disgusting. Are you into golden showers? No. Well, this one time... I didn't think I was, but then this thing happened, and I was kind of into it a little bit. Wasn't that bad. <sighs> Okay, well, two years later, in 1961, he met the love of his life, and he said goodbye to his bachelor, Hearst McLovin Days. Nancy Zimmer, a former model and single mother, caught his heart something fierce, and they soon wed and grew their family by one. So now they had a daughter from Nancy's previous marriage and a son of their own. Everything was going great for Fritz. However, in 1964, there is a malignant tumor found behind his eye that, yeah, that it forced him to have surgery and remove his eye. Oh, shit. Also, I said, why is is it got to be about the eye? Well, because everything is not about you, Donna. (laughs) I was like, oh, God. Sorry that this poor guy's tumor didn't grow where it would be convenient for you. Well, it just makes me, oh, God, eyes. I love eye contact, but God, if, if someone went to touch their eye, oh, oh, nope, don't do it. But ever the cup half full type guy, he wore an eye patch and made it work. It was over the top, just like his personality and just kind of added to his je ne sais quoi. In 1965, Fritz was still a broadcaster, but for part-time stuff, he did some consulting with an archery firm. Basically, he was an influencer before influencers were hashtag relevant. Oh, my God. The other day, I literally told Tiffany, pound sign, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I've never said pound sign in so many years. But also, it was where I needed to say hashtag. Like, hashtag relevant. Like, but I said pound sign relevant. Like, uh, what? Well, because hashtag, you're old. Yeah, but like I've never said pound sign in that way. And then, I don't know, I was like, I threw myself off there. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, so this firm sent Fritz to Chicago to wow people with the equipment. And they just knew he would be the best salesman ever. Influencer, you know. Well, he wowed someone, but not from his archery skills or sales pitch. There was this guy from Akron, and he was like, oh, my God, this dude is a dead ringer for Larry, which is what they called Lawrence. Oh, shit. Yeah. Aside from the eye patch, it was Larry. So he deep boop 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 booped Lawrence's 21-year-old niece, Suzanne, and was like, look, you got to get over here to this expo real quick, like. Well, she's looking at him, and again, he's got an eye patch, but 
it's uncanny. So she approached Fritz and she was like, pardon me, do you have any Grey Poupon? But also, are you my uncle, Larry Bader, who disappeared seven years earlier? And Fritz kind of laughed it off. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not your uncle. Like, I don't know you. I have no idea what you're talking about. But Suzanne was like, nah, my dude. So she called Lawrence's brothers in Akron. And she was like, "What? whatever you got to do, get here ASAP. Because there's this guy at an expo. And I swear to God, it's Uncle Larry. Which they did. So they get there. They met with Fritz and was like, oh, no, this is our brother 100. So they actually asked Fritz to tag along with them to the police department. He was like, yeah. Like, I have no problem because I don't know who y'all are talking about. I'm so sorry for y'all's loss or, you know, all of this. I'm so sorry. They took his fingerprints, sent him off to, like, the FBI. Damn. Where they matched the ones from the Navy when Lawrence was 18. What? Yes. So, Fritz was Lawrence. Lawrence was Fritz. And in an article written in Life magazine... Fritz said that up until the fingerprints matched, he had no doubt that he was not who they said he was. But then when he received the fingerprint information, it was, quote, like a door had slammed and someone had hit me right in the face. And that's where the life as larger than life Fritz kind of came to an end. He lost his job at the network from all the, wait, you're not who you say you are. Yeah. Oh, okay, you can't remember? Oh, okay, but the fingerprints match, you know. Nancy left him because they were never really married because he's still married to Mary Lou. Oh, my God. And there was a question if Lawrence had committed fraud. Like, did he willingly commit fraud? Did he? Was he like, see you later? Or was this all a misunderstanding? You know, all the things. But no one could prove that he committed fraud knowingly and his lawyer tried to link it to his tumor that he had removed behind his eye like something that happened there hurt his brain this is all the things but um he didn't have that tumor removed till he was in omaha right yeah but you don't know how long it was there true 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 true. well the lawyer also suggested that fritz undergo some tests at the local hospital and fritz totally agreed he's like okay let's do it you know Well, after all the tests, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, they all agreed that there was no way they could prove that he was knowingly being deceitful. So people were asking, could it be an injury from the storm when he was in the boat? Because there was a storm that came. Then they said that Fritz could be suffering from dissociative amnesia, where basically people have no recollection of their life due to stress or trauma and when people are suffering from this in their fugue state they often travel and completely have another life unknowingly another life but the thing is like his personality was different in a way but he was still doing the most when he would wear like the buckskin and You know, Mm -hmm. all of that. He was still larger than life, just in a different way than Fritz was. But they were both amazing at archery. 
And, you know, the nickname he had, Fritz, that was his boss's first name when he was a cookware salesman. Hmm. So was it all a lie or did his mind piece together things? And that's the only thing he could remember. Right. Well, since he was fired from his job, he found another job as a bartender where he made about $100 a week. Half of it went to Mary Lou for child support, and then $20 went to Nancy for child support. Oh, my God. As for Mary Lou and Fritz, they met in August 1965 in Chicago. She brought their four children as well, but Fritz had, again, no recollection of any of them or their life together. Everything went smoothly there. You know, as smooth as possible. There was no hostility there. Yeah. You know? But sadly, there was no closure for anyone, really. Because in 1966, Fritz's cancer came back. But this time, it had metastasized in his liver. Mm. He passed away on September 16th, 1966. But even in death, it was difficult as to who he really was. So, in Omaha, there was a service held for Fritz, but his body was transported to Akron to be buried in the family plot as Lawrence Bader. But that's so hard because people knew him in Omaha, you know? Yeah. They lost a friend. They lost this person they knew. Even if they had fallen out because it's like, you lied to me or, you know, whatever, they had lost this person But then for him to not even be buried there, like for Nancy and their child, their children. It to be like he didn't even exist. Yeah. And then this person that they had considered dead for eight years to now finally be dead and now actually be buried. And now we're having a funeral for him, but we don't even know him. Also, it brought about some uncomfortable questions like the insurance policies that had been paid out to Mary Lou before that were about $40,000. Were they now null and void when they found out that Lawrence was still alive? You know, when all of this came about, that had been paid out eight years ago. Yeah. Does she have to repay that now? You know, like, it's not her fault. Again, what do you do? And she's got fucking four kids over there. Well, an insurance company's going to be like, I want my money. Right. Well, and then also, he was married twice. And so people were like, does that make him a bigamist if he knowingly did that? Or, you know, like, just what happened? So his second marriage, null and void. But that's who, as Fritz, like, as his new life, if that's really what happened, like, he hit his head or he forgot who Lawrence Bader was. But right. as Fritz, he loved Nancy. That was his life. They had children together, you know. And then it's all, again, null and void because he was still married to this person. He had no idea who it was. So there were some factors that might have led to Lawrence disappearing. So his large and growing family, for one, But they also lived in a very affluent neighborhood where their house was about a $17,000 mortgage. A month? No, 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 no. Like, total. $17,000? Uh-huh. Okay. But it was more than his income for the year around $10,000. Well, my mortgage is more than I make. 
Like, my house costs more than I make a year. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I think it's like... He couldn't afford he to He couldn't pay afford the, the mortgage like, payments oh, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most people's sure. house costs more than they make a year. For sure. But the mortgage payments, like, when you equal it out... Gotcha. Way more than what he should have been doing with a family of four... Well, four children. And that's not including all the other bills that they had. Well, Lawrence had also skipped out on paying some income taxes for the last five years. And that was probably in order to make his mortgage payments and stuff, you know. But uh, the government's going to want their Uh money more than the fucking insurance companies. Yeah. Well, and lastly, he had a $40,000 life insurance policy. And he had recently bumped up that amount, like, because he had... He had like a few that equaled about forty thousand. So he had just bumped up the amount and added on an accidental death clause, fairly recent to his untimely death. Yeah, that's a little sketch. Yeah. And on the day that he went missing, Lawrence cashed a check for four hundred dollars, paid some bills, which included his installment payment for his life insurance policy. So it's like he cashed a check. Paid maybe, you know, a bill or two. But then, so he had money on him to make an escape. Because $400 is a fucking lot. Well, but here's my question. Was his installment loan thingy due that day? Or was he like, oh, I'm just early. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's not very weird that he paid his bill Mm -hmm. on this fucking day it's due. Right. That's not that weird. Right. He was like, oh, it's not due until the... 23rd and it's the first i'm gonna pay it now yeah that's that's weird yeah and so it's kind of like because i want to be like the lawrence that we knew i kind of felt like a dick with the whole maybe i will maybe i won't thing but so then him like doing his insurance policy i guess he wanted his family to have something so not a complete dick but like still a dick because your kids think you're fucking dead. Yeah. If it was on purpose. If it was on purpose. But it's like, a lot of signs lead to, it might have been on purpose. Because also, if everyone's saying, hey, there's a storm a-brewing, and you're like, yeah, I'll be fine. And I just randomly have a suitcase with me in this boat that I could have left in my car. Yeah, that's weird. You know, like, it's, eh, I don't know. So it's still, it kind of seems like he was scoops McDaniels. Yeah. He might not have had an S on his name. I was going to say, I don't think either one of them had S's on their names. Scoop McDaniels. Yeah. Is it? I thought it was McDaniel. Scoops. No, it's just one scoop. It's oh. not fucking Frito-Lays. Okay, you went to that and I went to ice cream. Which is funny because I don't even really love Fritos. Oh, I love Fritos. You love Fritos with Tiffany's dip she makes. Mm-hmm. So good. So, if it was real or if it was not real, R.I.P. Yeah, he did. But... What do you think happened? I always think about like, okay, let's just talk about the first month. Like, like if they really are in this like fugue state and they don't remember anything. And like, let's say he comes out of the water because there was a storm that like washes boat up and he's like all discombobulated and he like comes out of the water. Like, where do you go from there? Like, what do you do that first hour? Right. You're not like, I got to go to the hospital. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you're, you're like, hmm, what's my name? Who am I? Who am I? Like, what is that first hour like? What's that first day like? What's that first month like? 
And that is what I can't wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to believe like, okay, it's real. But there's like documented proof that it's a thing. Yeah. So it's like, well, they figure something out in the first hour, day, week, yeah. month. Well, with him too, he had so many memories of being born in an orphanage and all this stuff. And so he was like, how do I have all these memories if I'm telling a lie? Which one, I want to be like, dude, everyone makes up a backstory. Yeah, I was like, going to say, you literally just made up a story. Mm-hmm. So, And it wasn't like he he had a shipwreck or anything like that. And he walked straight into a bar or whatever. It was four days later. So he could have made a, like, a plan. Like, okay, let me get as far away as I think I need to. Which he didn't get far enough, because when they sent him to Chicago, it was like, ah, shit. But, like, I I don't know. He had four days to come up with this whole backstory. But if he had been planning that, he didn't take four days to come up with that. He had been having this planned. Right. And he might have literally just been like, today's today, I'm going to leave. I'm going to do this. And then was like, shit, what do I do? But, again, he seemed like his personality kind of fit having two lives like he could just pick up figure you know like all right this is what i'm gonna say and i don't know what it plays to but it was like okay he was still good in archery and he still had the navy thing so like he came up with the 14 years experience you know like i mean i guess he could have just said okay so i must have been in there well but here's the thing is that i mean the best lies uh-huh. are close to the truth. Exactly. So that's what I was going to say, is that he did it well enough that he's telling the truth. He was in the Navy, but then he lied because he said for 14 years, you know. Or is that all he, he found? the Because it was a Navy-issued license. So it's like, oh, I was in the Navy. I must have been serving in there. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And like he pieced it together that way. Same with the Fritz thing. Is it like, oh, huh, you just liked his name and you stole that, which no one would know that you picked your old boss's name? Or is it like you said, his memory, that's what he remembered and Fritz, you know? And so like his mind made these stories and made these memories around it. I don't know. We'll never know. But even when he underwent the test, they said he wasn't purposely deceitful right but if he really knew like okay i'm this dude and fuck i'm busted like why would he run like why would he just be like yeah yeah yeah, i'll i'll go to the fucking fbi get fingerprinted like yeah why would he do that yeah because he could just run again Mm -hmm. he's done it once yeah but he had time to plan we don't know how long he planned it you know like he said he didn't just like okay this is what i'm gonna do today i don't know it's like Part of me is like, no, I believe something happened. But then other time, like the other part of me is like, no, he had his suitcase. He was kind of an asshole to his wife at that time. Like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Was he talking about coming home at all? Like, I thought he was talking about going fishing. But was he talking about coming home at all? Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's leaving her high and fucking dry over there. So, yeah, it was a little like that's different for me because there's no like mystery like he was found he you know all of that but it's still i don't know i was just like i don't know what to believe because both arguments 
makes I, sense. Like, and are solid, I yeah. feel like. So I, re- I don't know, but gosh, I can't even imagine if that really happened to him, you know, finding out, no, you're someone else. You know, him thinking like, nah, lady. Like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. Uh-huh. Then the fucking fingerprints come back and they're like, oh, shit. You know, yeah. can you imagine if he, if it really is that way and he's like, wait, Einhorn is Finkelstein. Finkelstein is Einhorn. What are the words? Not Finkelstein. It's just Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Uh-huh. Einhorn is Finkel. Whatever the fucking <laughs> words are. And he's like. Finkelstein. <laughs> I don't know. It's spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm a little bit like, nah, he knew because because he was such an asshole to his wife. Right. But I don't know. Maybe he wanted her to hate him. Because he was going to leave. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I'm ready for your roller coaster, though. So this story has a ton of people involved. Like, oh, Lord. I know. Lots of family tree things happening. So I'm going to try to keep as few people out of it as I possibly can so that it's not like, what? Yeah. Content warning, this story is pretty heavy with physical abuse and sexual abuse. So if you need to skip forward, skip. We're going to start off with Sherry Brooks. When Sherry Brooks was a child, she and her two siblings were actually taken away by Child Protective Services because Sherry's father was sexually abusing Sherry. And she was only four years old. Oh my gosh. Sherry and her siblings then went into the foster care system where her siblings were actually adopted out and she wasn't. Nobody really ever said why she wasn't adopted out, but either way, you know that's got to be like, why did my siblings get adopted and I didn't, you know? Eventually, Sherry aged out of the foster system. And we know how hard that is for people. When they age out... There's not a lot of support systems. It's gotten better throughout the years, but back in the day, there weren't the same amount of halfway houses and all of that to help kids transition once they've aged out of the foster system. So Sherry, who's also known as Sugar Babe, that's her nickname that her father gave her, and it stuck with her through life. Like, she loves the nickname, only wants to be called Sugar Babe, not Sherry. She ends up going back to live with her father. Oh, fuck. Because again, she aged out, didn't have anywhere to go. And it almost seemed like from everything I read and saw that at this point, their sexual relationship became consensual. Carrie, what is up with you say I have daddy issues, but you're the one who always tackles these cases. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? It You don't do the true crime cases. Well, I wouldn't pick them five times in a row. Well, I just have to say, because I'm so glad you said that, because I almost forgot to say, you can blame this one on Zoe in the Discord and the <laughs> Facebook group, because she's the one that recommended this. Well, you picked her recommendation out five times in a row. <laughs> it was to the point where when Sherry lived with her dad and she had boyfriends and stuff over, her dad would literally kick the boyfriend out of bed and get in bed to sleep with Sherry. That's gross. That's fucking disgusting. There was a time when Sherry was in the foster system that there was a little baby that was also at the foster home that she was at. And she told her mom that this was her baby that she had had. And her mom was about to like go back to that foster home to help her get this baby. And come to find out it wasn't Sherry's and she had never been pregnant at this point. 
And that's kind of when Sherry's obsession with primarily baby girls started. So Sherry went on to marry Kevin Brooks, which is where she got the last name Brooks. Sherry goes on to have eventually like eight or nine kids. And of the first five kids, every single time she had one, they would eventually be removed from the home because of allegations of sexual abuse from Sherry. Oh, gosh. Again, this is where it's going to get, well, one of the many places where it's going to get pretty uh, fucking disgusting. So skip forward if you need to. Allegedly, one time, someone walked in on Sherry bathing one of her sons. And when they walked in, she had the baby picked up, performing fellatio on that child. Oh. I can't, like, it gives me the even saying it. Yeah, that's gross. So, oh, this is, okay. Cannot believe I fucking forgot this. Sherry's oldest child. There's so many fucking people and moving parts to this story that, like, there's literally no way I'm going to cover it all. Sherry's first kid, his name is Scotty. I guess it doesn't really matter, but his name is Scotty. And Sherry had him out of a sexual relationship with her first cousin. Oh. Yep. Now, Scotty... Scott Sr., whatever, the guy that was the cousin that she had Mm -hmm. the affair with, that she lovingly says kissing cousins. That's fucking disgusting. Like, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable as fuck. So, he ended up murdering his next girlfriend or wife and is in jail for the rest of his life. So, we don't care about him and the gross. But that's how that went down. Yeah. One thing I saw did say that the oldest, Scotty, he had a mental disability. I don't know what it is. That's just what they said. They literally said has a mental disability. But from all the interviews and everything that I watched on this, he seemed the most with it and typical <laughs> person of the lot. Yeah. So after Scotty, she had a little boy named Michael and she had Joshua, but she also had a daughter named Maria. I'm not making the joke of Sound of Music. Thank you. I was like, I was shaking my head like, don't make it, don't make it, don't make it. it. I'm not doing it. Here's the thing, is that, remember how I said that Sherry seemed to be really obsessed with little girls? The way that people talked about how much that Sherry loved Maria was that Sherry was able to keep custody of Maria for a year. Oh. Yes. So, one day... Sherry was changing Maria's diaper, and I've heard it was a family member. I've heard it was a neighbor. I I don't know who it was that was with her. Saw that Maria's diaper was bloody. Mm -hmm. And I know. And so she said, look, you've got to take Maria to the hospital. So Sherry did, and there was evidence of a sexual assault. Sherry tried to say that it was her live-in boyfriend at the time or whomever, because the house that Sherry lives in, it's like a revolving door of people. And as this story goes on, you're going to see that there are sometimes upwards of 15 to 20 people living in this house. Oh at my any point gosh. In time. Yes. So she tried to say it was someone who lived there. Well, basically the police were like, okay, you need to bring Maria back tomorrow morning to be like questioned and checked out. I don't know. I know. I, I see. You said question, but she's a one for Sherry to be questioned. Oh, I'm like, how do you question 
a one-year-old. Right. If that, at this point. Well, after Sherry leaves the hospital with Maria, she takes Maria over to her mother's house. And she tells her mother, hey, you keep Maria tonight. I'm going to keep whatever kid she still had custody of at this point. And her mom was like, what? You want me to keep Maria? Like, this was her baby girl. Never left her side. Like, yeah, knew that that was really bizarre. Like, you never let her leave you. What? Well, that was Sherry basically setting her mom up, trying to get her mom in trouble for kidnapping to, like, divert all the things about the sexual assault. Because the next morning, knock, 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 here comes police at the door being like, hey, we need Maria, like, at the station and everything. And her mom's like, wait, what happened? Right. And and they're like, no, she was assaulted. Like, we're taking her kind of thing. And... Now, I only saw, like, in one spot that it was her setting her mom up for kidnapping. Other places were, like, she was just trying to buy time. Trying to figure out Sherry's brain? I don't want to. Of course, at that point, Sherry loses custody of Maria. She goes on to have another daughter named Little Sherry, but apparently she got taken away basically immediately. And so she was never assaulted or anything like that because again this little girl got taken away pretty much from the jump but there were never any charges brought against sherry i don't know why but there were never ever any charges and she went on to have four more kids and none of those kids were ever taken away from her just the first five well after maria was taken away from sherry There was a neighbor who lived in the same apartment complex as Sherry at the time. And they had a little daughter named Vera. And basically, Sherry tried to take Vera. I mean, she asked. She didn't just, like, try to kidnap her. But basically, she was like, hey, can I have your kid? And Vera's mom was like, absolutely not. What the hell? Because, again, she just wanted that little girl, and hers had just been taken away, and Maria and Vera were about the same age. But Vera's mom was like, absolutely not. At some point, all of Sherry's kids came back to live with her, and so did their girlfriends. So, again, this house is fucking full. She has all these kids plus girlfriends. And she was constantly encouraging her kids and their girlfriends to have babies she wanted all of her kids to start having children by the time they were 16 oh my god she's a breeder but she would tell them if you have a boy you can keep him but if you have a girl she's mine oh god sherry was very domineering and ruled the house through fear She was physically abusive, and we clearly we know that there's a history of sexual assault with the kids, and so they were terrified of her, and whatever Sherry said went. So eventually, Sherry's son, Zachary, who was 13 years old at the time, started dating 19-year-old Vera Jo Regal. Remember the name Vera? Oh, my gosh. That was the little girl that Sherry wanted to take Mm -hmm. from the neighbor. Yeah. Now... You hear, wait, he's 13, she's 19. That's fucking awful. And it is. And it's technically illegal. But Vera Jo had some form of an intellectual disability. Now, most things just say she had severe ADHD. But 
interviews with her past teachers, her mother, all these people say that Vera had the mental capabilities of an eight-year-old. Ugh, that's also terrible. Right. Like, for him to be in a relationship. Exactly. So, if you just look on paper at the ages, it looks like Vera is definitely the predator in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you find out her mental capabilities, you think that, mm, really, it's Sherry and Zachary who, because mm-hmm. Sherry pushed this relationship. Mm. Because, again... She wanted grandchildren. Eh, granddaughters. Vera's dad actually ended up getting 20 years in prison because when Vera was 11, he raped Vera. What? I don't know what in the fuck is going on in Finley, Ohio, but they need to fucking chill. She stayed with her mother and ended up being able to finish high school through special classes. Now... After she graduated, she started getting SSI benefits, like, for disability. It's basically like Social Security here for people who have disabilities that just can't work. It's not much. I think she got, like, $700 a month, something said. Can you fucking... Can we just pause there? Can you fucking imagine trying to live off of $700 a month? No. That is an impossible wage at which for someone to live. In which, in which for someone to live. Like, how do you expect someone to pay their rent, mortgage, whatever, pay utilities, pay for doctor's visits, yeah. pay for all of this? Because if they're on disability, yes, they probably have Medicaid. And so their doctors and stuff isn't that much. But like transportation, all of that. And it's like, which again, I know people on Medicaid do have access to Medicaid transport. But it's like, how do you expect them to survive Yeah. On that little bit of money. Now, Vera did have a bit of a rough relationship with her mom. So she eventually moved in to the Brooks family home and very quickly signed her SSI benefits over to Sherry. Of course. Like, why am I not surprised? Okay. So all... I'm going to have at this point, there's going to be some bouncing around and I'm sorry, please, please do your best to follow it because it's going to be people. And this story reminds me of this story because there's so fucking many. There's just so fucking many. Okay, so Sherry's sons fancy themselves to be Crips, like as in the gang where the blue throw up the signs and all the pictures fancy themselves Crips. Now, Sherry's son, Punky, he was, I guess, like the self-proclaimed leader of the Crips in the area. And one day, he and his girlfriend were just walking down the road. Some things said that they were going to get heroin. Some things didn't say what they were doing. But they were walking down the road when a vehicle ran over Punky. Now, it wasn't, like, it was a complete accident. Like, it was not, like, a hit or, you know, nothing like that. It really, truly was an accident. Now, it first sherry was like heather did this the girlfriend like she did this she pushed him like could not accept punky's death being an accident and was like she fucking did this this is all her fault and she actually had some of punky's sherry being she had some of punky's like gang friends members whatever go beat up heather because she just was dead set that Heather pushed him and that this wasn't an accident. And then Sherry sat there and watched them beat her. 
What in the actual fuck? So that's what I mean with Sherry was kind of manipulative in that way. Like she would tell people what to do. She didn't do much of the physical abuse anymore. She did do it, but she didn't do as much because she was morbidly obese and had type 2 diabetes that was really impacting her feet. So anything you see of Sherry, she's in a wheelchair and her feet are wrapped from basically diabetic ulcers on her feet. So she was more, okay, you go beat this person up, you go do this, you go do this kind of role in the family. Now, at this point, Vera had been living in the house, giving her checks straight over to Sherry, and Sherry was taking full advantage of Vera in every way. Vera basically became their live-in slave. One of her jobs was to tend to Sherry's feet. No. mm -mm. She had to rub Sherry's feet, do the dressings on Sherry's feet, all the things. Gross. She was beaten if they didn't like the things she did. She wasn't allowed to talk unless Sherry gave her permission. Wow. And that's not something that happened overnight. It took some time. Mm -hmm. But given Vera's mental capabilities and the age at which she, her brain capacity is, she's still in that stage of people pleasing and, you know, and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so if Sherry says to do it, she's going to fucking do it. Okay. So they had a pig in the house and the pig lived in a closet. What? And they would make Vera sleep in the closet with the pig. Like, where the pig, like, shit and... What in the Cinderella story is going on? But, like, in the worst possible... Like, the Grimm's version. Yeah. Okay, this is... So, this house was so fucking nasty. Which, I'm... This is, this is going to sound so terrible. But I'm surprised that they didn't force Vera to, like, keep it clean. But they were okay living in their fucking filth. Mm-hmm. What in the Pazuzu is going on, if you haven't listened to that episode. Right. Okay, so the house is messy. There's literal pig shit everywhere. It's so bad that eventually the Humane Society or whatever came and got the pig. Because they were like, the pig can't leave, live in these conditions. Wow. Um, <clears throat> what about the people? Right. Is it just because there's that many, they're all adults? question mark but they're probably but some of sherry's kids were younger than zach so at this point you know let's just say that vera's been there two years so zach's only 15 you know like what's there are younger kids so how can you take a fucking animal away and not the human children mm. when they would allow vera to go out and about with them like let's just say they went to like the salvation army or something like that she would wear her hood up and she wouldn't talk to anybody. And if she saw people that she knew and they were like, hey, she'd be like, I can't talk. I can't talk. I can't talk. Vera was not only their slave and had to do anything that Sherry asked. She got abuse from everyone. She was starved. And one of the times that she got the most in trouble, for lack of a better word, is, okay, Sherry's son, Punky, that had died from the car running over him. They basically had like a shrine to him in the house. And I guess he really liked Kit Kats. And so there was a Kit Kat out there for him. And Vera was so hungry that she ate that Kit Kat. And we know that went over like a fucking lead balloon. And Vera got severely beaten for eating that Kit Kat. And it's like, she's starving. She just needs some food. And it's 
she's scrounging for food and she did the best that she could. I think it was Sherry's son, Chucky, maybe, maybe it was Punky, I don't know, actually forced Vera to eat dog poop. Wait, there's a dog too? I, I don't fucking know. I, I don't, it, there's so many people and things happening. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I mean, that's very disgusting, but then I was just like, wait, where did the dog come from? That's what she latches on to, guys. This is what I fucking deal with. <laughs> okay, this is where it gets worse. Eating the dog poop made her throw up. No, uh-uh. Okay, we know what you're going to say. Move on. I'm fast-forwarding 10 seconds. Go ahead. They made her eat the throw Okay, up. what the fuck? We all knew. You nasty. I'm not the one that fucking did you it. You had to say it. I did, ha- because people may not have known what I was about to say. Okay, when I said, oh, and I know what you're going to say. They may not have. Yes, they did. I have faith in you people. I don't have faith in Carrie. Also, so there's a documentary on Amazon Prime. And what's that other thing called? Vimeo? Uh-huh. So it's called Goodnight Sugar Babe. And it's this story. So in that documentary, they interview the son, Michael, and Michael's wife, girlfriend. I'm not sure. At one point, she's wearing a ring, but I don't know if they ever got married. But her name's Shannon. And they do come up later, which is why I'm telling you the names. So... Shannon in this documentary who's like telling all the things that happened and we'll find out that she's pretty sketch, but well, they all are, but she's sketch. But when she was telling about Vera having to eat the dog shit, I'm telling you, it was everything she could do to keep from smiling. Uh, Like I wanted to be like, bitch, you thought that shit was fucking funny at the time. uh I can see you standing there in the house, in the yard, wherever the fuck you are. You were fucking laughing your ass off. I can see it all over you. You were fucking bullshitting us. Uh Uh-huh. Like, bitch, don't try. Like, she, it was everything she could do not to smirk. Oh, that's so gross. I wanted to punch her in her trachea. Ugh. They also sexually assaulted Vera with a toothbrush. Now, at the time, she was on her period. And then they made her brush her teeth with the toothbrush that they had just assaulted her with on her period. That's disgusting. Eventually, Vera, in Sherry's point of view, finally got pregnant with Zach's kid. After she got pregnant, from what I can tell, the the beatings and all of that didn't stop. Like, she could be doing Sherry's feet and if she did something wrong, Sherry had like a back scratcher right beside her and she mm, would sounds familiar, Carrie. And she would like whop her in the head with it. Damn. Okay, so Vera is pregnant and she's actually pregnant with a baby girl. Oh fuck. And they name her Willa Dean. Now, Vera isn't due until like December eighth. But Sherry's birthday is November third. Oh my gosh. Well, Sherry wanted the baby to be born on her birthday instead of, you know, a month later when she Mm -hmm. had time to grow and get strong in the womb. Well, she don't want her strong. She just wants her. She just wants her. Mm -hmm. So Sherry, okay, have you ever heard the old wives tell like you give someone castor oil to make them go in labor? Okay, well, when you do that, it's supposed to be like two tablespoons or two teaspoons, one one of the two. I know, very big difference, but don't fucking do that, so... I mean, I'm not giving you the fucking how-to guide. Don't fucking do that. It's torture. Yeah, I mean, it makes you shit. Makes you shit. Makes you cramp. That's why it's supposed to, like, make you go into labor, right? Yeah. So, Sherry forced Vera to drink three full bottles. Oh, my God. But it fucking worked. 
And Vera went into labor and ended up having Willa Dean the day after Sherry's birthday. Well, it did work. Well, it made her go into labor. Yeah. But here's the thing. So Sherry was like, yeah, I'm still first. Like saying, oh basically, gosh. you know, like, oh, my birthday's still first. And she was like, yeah, um, Willa Dean just wanted to come have, like, she named all these, like, Thanksgiving foods with her mama or me or whatever the fuck she called herself. And, like, you're just going to gloss over the fact that you gave her three full fucking bottles of casserole to make her go into delivery. Right. And we're just going to gloss over the fact that when the baby first came out, she had heart issues because she was so fucking premature. Okay. But Willa Dean ended up kind of getting better and growing out of those heart issues and being a, a very healthy and strong baby. Once Willa Dean came home, Vera wasn't allowed to do anything with her. If she touched her, Sherry would make Zachary beat up Vera. And for the first six months of Willa Dean's life, she shared a bed with Sherry. Mm. They enjoyed beating Vera so much. And Sherry said that Vera looked like a little squirrel or raccoon with her black eyes. Like... (sighs) Yeah, like she was like, oh, isn't she cute with her little black eyes? Doesn't she look like a little squirrel? Oh my gosh. What a fucking piece of shit. Okay, so then this happened. Shannon had told people she was pregnant. Like, there's a Facebook post that she says she's pregnant. Like, she told people she was pregnant. Well, somehow, some mace got set off in the house. I don't know how it got set off. But there was mace, like, flooding from the second story down to the first story. Mace? Mace, like, mace. What do you mean by flooding? Like, like the smoke of it. Okay. Not, like, water coming down. Just, like, the the smoke of it. So, it was all throughout the house. So, they had to, like, open the doors, open the windows to air out the house so they weren't getting mace in their eyes. Yeah. Well, of course, they blame this on Vera. Oh, Vera's the one that set it off. Like, it's it's all her fucking fault. Yada, yada, yada. Well, that night, Shannon went to the hospital. And allegedly, she's like, if I fucking lose my baby because of her, I'm going to kill her. Shannon comes home and is like, I had a miscarriage because of the mace. Uh So now they blame Vera for Shannon's miscarriage. Wow. Which is, like, the worst thing you could fucking do in Sherry's Mm -hmm. eyes because all she wants is more kids. Yeah. Well, in that documentary, Shannon swears that she was never pregnant. But there's literal Facebook posts where Uh, she says she was. uh Uh-huh. So she's lying in one of those cases. Yeah. I really think that Shannon got off more on the abuse of Vera than she's trying to let out. And so I also think that she probably said she was pregnant to win favor with Sherry. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, she's three months along. They should be starting to hear heartbeats. They should yeah. be able to start, you know, go to doctor's appointments, what have you. And she's like, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm not actually pregnant. Oh, here's all this mace. Let me go to the hospital and blame Vera. Why now, do they have mace? I don't know. But now Vera is going to get in trouble. Uh-huh. You know, so that's just my opinion. But... We know for a fact that Shannon's lying on one front because right. there's the post and stuff saying where she said she was pregnant. And then in the interview, she says she was never pregnant and she doesn't know where this came from. So one of the Shannons is lying. Right. So this is where it's really fucked up because, well, one of the 875,000 reasons. So everybody knew that Vera was starting to alienate herself from people. She got to where she would not even come out of her room 
unless Sherry called her. She didn't talk to people. She didn't. She couldn't even have a phone. None of the things. Yeah. Well, police had actually, well, police and family services had actually been called to the house on multiple occasions, like on behalf of Vera. And every single time they would interview her with Sherry there. Oh my gosh. Who trained those people? Right. And Sherry would be like, well, you know, she's just really shy. She's only comfortable around me, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. And so Vera, because of her age, at this point, she's in her 20s. The police are like, I can't, we can't do anything because she's not telling us. And she's an adult. Like, if she doesn't want to leave, we can't force her to leave. And everybody else is like, but she has an intellectual disability and has the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. You know, so that that definitely begs the question of at what point can they jump in and yeah and also it's a slippery slope because if they just pull her out of there and she is an adult at what point are you saying that someone with a disability can't live on their own right so i kind of see it both ways and it's like well you have to make sure you're not trampling her rights as an adult just because she has an intellectual disability mm-hmm. on the flip side She's got fucking black eyes, and yeah. you're interviewing her with her abuser, so a fucking course. Right. Like, she's an adult. She doesn't have to be interviewed with anyone. Right. So, I mean, her abuse was to the point where she couldn't even go to the bathroom unless Sherry gave her permission. Mm-mm. And there were times where she would have accidents where she would soil her pants because Sherry wouldn't allow her to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And also, the town fucking knew the Brooks. Like, they were well-known as troublemakers who, like, the police were called so much to that house that the 911 dispatchers recognized their voices. Like, they would say, hey, and the 911 dispatcher would be like, oh, it's punky. You know? I'm surprised they called 911, though. I know, I know. At one point, Zach had beaten Vera so badly that he broke her nose and they made vera say that it was her boyfriend not him not zach her boyfriend her black boyfriend oh my air quotes around let's just shove a little racism in here while Uh we're at it since we're doing all of the bad things what oh my gosh and it's like who on planet earth believes that vera was allowed to have a boyfriend right she didn't have a phone she didn't come out of her fucking room there was like what you were gonna let her leave the house and go see some random boyfriend and you're gonna tell me that y'all would have let some random boy come over to this house and beat her when that's y'all's job you know what i mean not you know what i mean by that Yeah, yeah 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 right and when you see the documentary they're like oh what was his name Demetrius something you know like they just say uh huh like you can clearly tell that you're fucking lying and that you're pretending to not remember the details because you're fucking lying all right at this point Vera's like 24 years old and one of the Brooks's cousins his name is Daniel Bixler he had just gotten out of prison about three weeks before so this is how okay this is so fucked up Danny is their cousin, Danny Daniel Bixler, same guy. He's their cousin, and he's actually super close to Sherry. Want to know why? His dad is Sherry's cousin that she fucked. Her kissing cousin. Right. Mm -hmm. So this 
cousin is really half brothers with Sherry's son, Scotty. Oh my gosh. Is that not so like it's it's like I know that's a lot of people and it's but it's so fucked up. Okay. So Danny had everybody just obsessed with him because remember, they fancied themselves the Crips or the two one one boys. So they thought they were like bad shit and Danny comes out of prison. And he's got a teardrop tattoo. Literally, I was going to make the joke. And he had a teardrop tattoo. And that's why they were like, oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did. Wow. And his teardrop tattoo was, if I remember correctly, on his left eye. But it was on the inside. Like, not on the outside. On the inside. mm, mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, teardrop tattoos can mean many different things in right. many different regions and yada, yada, even prison to prison, I think. I don't fucking know. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you killed somebody. Some stuff was even saying, like, whether it's filled in versus not filled right. in can mean, you know, want to kill somebody versus actually done it or not filled in. It could mean that you were actually somebody's bitch in prison, you know, all the things. Well, Danny, of course, being shithead is gonna ride this out and be like mm-hmm. yeah what's up i got my teardrop tattoo i kill somebody right right so all the brooks boys and sherry are like whoa my god daddy so while he's out of prison for three weeks about a week and a half in danny ends up meeting this girl named nicole peters and she's just 17 years old and they had had like a sexing relationship. And by the by, the fucking documentary shows some of the dick pics sent. Well, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll check out Sugar Babe. Kind of blurred and. Oh, shit, Carrie. But you can still see. Oh, my God. They actually show some of the things. It's blurred out. What the fuck? You can, you, can, you can still see enough that he literally has your name written on his dick. Something said it was in tattoo. It looked like it was fucking marker to me. But. Literally the word, you're, like, Y-O-U-R, name. Mm-hmm. Itty bitty fought. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so he's had this, like, sexting relationship with this girl, and they're fucking, like, in love. She's like, oh, my God, I want a teardrop tattoo to match him. So Sherry thinks to herself that old Danny boy and Nicole are the perfect way to solve her Vera problem. Because a lot of stuff said that Zach was ready to move on. He didn't like her. He definitely didn't love her. But he wanted to move on. But Sherry basically didn't want him to because if he did and Vera left and took the baby. Right. And it's her baby. Right. So allegedly they had been talking about different ways to kill Vera. Like should they overdose her? Should they leave her on the train tracks and let it what? and let a train hit her? All the things. And a long time ago, I don't know how long ago, but one of Sherry's family members had actually died on the train tracks because he was out there skateboarding and like two trains ran him over. Oh fuck. And Sherry would talk about how he looked like hamburger meat. Ew. And she would say that, you know, you put her on the tracks, nobody will recognize her, all the things, because hamburger meat. So it's just interesting that Sherry said that about her cousin, or I can't remember who his cousin, one of her family member, Travis, that died on the train tracks. Cousin, boyfriend. I mean, it could be the same person same. in his family. So she kept saying that he looked like hamburger meat. And then I just feel like that will continue to come up. Sherry's like, ha, I 
can talk Danny and Nicole into killing Sherry. Because Nicole and Danny, for about four days, were actually part of the beatings of Vera. So, like, her son Chucky had tied this padlock to the end of the belt, and they took turns beating Vera. Ow! Yep. They used a paddle that had, like, the number three on it to beat Vera with. Why? Why the number three? I don't know. Because they're the 221 boys or whatever you said they were. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so Sherry would also tell Nicole that Vera was looking at Danny. Like, that Vera liked Danny. And, hey, Vera has actually slept with all of my sons. So, you better watch her. She's going to sleep with Danny. Oh, my gosh. And so, Nicole was like, fuck this bitch. So, she started getting in on the action of beating Vera. And, like, every time Nicole or Danny would beat Vera, they would, like, start making out and then go upstairs and have sex. Ew. Like, they got off on her abuse yeah and a lot of the beatings happened in sherry's room and you remember where willa dean slept uh-huh and she's like 18 months old at this time so she knows things she has seen vera get beat by zach and sherry and literally everybody at this point well on march 26th of 2011 Zach, Danny, and Nicole tell Vera, Vera, put your fucking shoes on. We're going for a walk. Oh, my gosh. And Vera's like, wait, what? I can't, like, what? Yeah. I'm not supposed to, what? And they're like, put your fucking shoes on. So, they take her to walk to the train tracks. Ugh. And while they're there, they pull out a knife that they had taken from the house, and they begin to stab Vera. Now, they make Vera take her clothes off after they had already started attacking her. What the fuck? Because the knife was too dull. Oh, my God. And so they took her clothes off so that they could stab her more easily. They ended up slitting her throat and stabbing her 21 times. What in the actual fuck? Then they laid her perpendicular to the railroad tracks so that a train could come and basically like Mm -hmm. decapitate her and and just destroy her body oh god oh well they put her on the train tracks and left and went back to the house and they're like yeah 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 we did it i'm gonna get my teardrop tattoo we did it well while they're like celebrating at the house vera hasn't died yet And she musters up the last little bit of strength that she has and pulls herself off of the rails and curls up into a fetal position in the middle of the tracks. Oh, my gosh. And in that position, Vera dies. Oh. At 2 a.m., just like the shitheads thought, a train did come through. And the train was like, did I just run over a baby deer of how she was laying. Oh, my gosh. Well, here's the thing. The train had a 13-inch clearance. And as tiny as Vera was in her fetal position, she was only 12 inches. (gasps) Holy shit. So it backfired on them, and the train didn't touch her. So on the autopsy, 
Again, like I said, she had been stabbed 21 times. Her throat had been cut from ear to ear, and every bone in her face was broken. Oh my God. The autopsy showed how much Vera had been tortured. And it wasn't by a random black boyfriend that no one knew about? Right. It's just interesting because Sherry knew and was like, well, I guess maybe they took her clothes off because the knife was too dull and all this stuff. And there was no way she would have known that if they hadn't told her. Uh You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, clearly, this was a a joint Mm -hmm. effort. They just went and killed her. Well, but she ruled the roost, so they wouldn't have done it without her permission. Uh Exactly. Well, long story short, because there's like lots of moving parts about who came over to the house then and what all was said. But long story short, Danny and Nicole were arrested and both took plea deals. Danny was sentenced 40 years to life for Vera's death. And Nicole got 23 years for basically a conspiracy charge because there was some CCTV footage from the Salvation Army that was close that basically showed Danny doing... Like, what ultimately Mm -hmm. killed her. Now, speaking of the Salvation Army, at one point, in the midst of them beating her for days on end before they took her to kill her, they actually took her over to the Salvation Army to the soup kitchen part. Danny Nicole took her. And and Zachary, too, I think. But the volunteers at the soup kitchen said that it looked like she had been hit by a car. Her face was so messed up. Yes. And I think it's interesting that, like, everybody kept saying about the train tracks and her and her to look like hamburger meat. And it was like they were all saying Sherry's words. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Zachary ended up getting sentenced to four years in prison for obstruction of justice. Four years? Yep. Four years. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And he did try to get custody like before no. he, I know, he did try to get custody and this was i think before they had i'm kind of confused on this timeline but i think it was before they charged him with the obstruction so he had as part of like his court thing to get custody he had to have two supervised visits with willadine and at the first supervised visit willadine spent 15 minutes screaming crying if he even tried to touch her good for her because she's fucking she's 18 months old she knows he's evil she knows what he did to her mother even if she doesn't know the murder part she knows Mm -hmm. that she watched her get beaten because she's in sherry's room with them yeah and so the second visit he just didn't show up and that just was even more dings on him and so the judge ruled and willadine was actually put up for adoption thank god and by all accounts of anything I could find, Willa Dean was healthy and developing typically at that time, and she was adopted out. So some of the stuff that Sherry did to elicit this murder was, okay, so apparently at one point, Vera and Sherry were outside, like moving something, like a tarp or something that had rocks or bricks on it. And Vera accidentally dropped it on Sherry's foot. Oh, shit. And Sherry was like, you fucking bitch, you tried to kill me. You know, like, yes, like, you know, fucking went nuts on her Mm -hmm. when it was literally just an accident. Uh, Bitch, she's the one who has to rub and do all your shit on your You think she wants to fucking hurt your nasty foot more? No. Right. She, God bless. 
And then she said that, she being Sherry, said that it was actually Vera's fault that Punky died from that car hitting him. All of a sudden, now it wasn't Heather's. It wasn't Heather. It was Vera's who fucking wasn't even there. Okay. Oh, Oh, my God. And, like, it was so known in their house that the goal was to kill Vera that Sherry's husband, question mark, Kevin Brooks, was even like, hey, if y'all are going to kill her, uh, wait till I'm in jail because he had to go serve, like, a 30-day sentence for something. He's like, can y'all wait till I'm in jail so I got an alibi? Oh, my gosh. And so it was like, Every single person that lived in that house was involved in some way, mm-hmm. whether it was silence and complicity, right, or involved, or every single person that lived in that house. And they deserve to be charged with something because, holy shit, to have her beaten that much on the daily. Yeah. And the oh. only people that were charged was Danny and Nicole and Zach. And then eventually they charged Sherry, Shannon. I feel like there were some others, but there's so fucking many people that I can't keep them straight. Basically with obstruction, like not with her murder, not with the beatings, not with any of that fucking shit, just with obstruction lying to the police. So Sherry ended up getting a suspended sentence and like five years probation. While she was on probation, she got busted for selling prescription drugs. And basically, she was selling Xanax out of the house. And she was sentenced to 40 months in prison for that because she was on parole or on probation. And by 2015, she was out. And Zach had to serve, you know, his four years. And basically, Danny and Nicole are the only ones still in prison for this. Wow. Talk about justice not fucking served. Right? Basically, every police officer and social worker that came in contact with Vera failed her. Yeah. The community fucking failed her because they knew. Yeah. They fucking knew. They knew her family failed her because they knew that she was covered in bruises and that she was putting her fucking hoodie on and that she was Mm -hmm. hiding and she wouldn't talk. I mean, they liken Sherry, which I think is a far stretch, but they liken Sherry to fucking Charles Manson. If you think that she's that manipulative and that controlling and causing that much harm to the people who live there, like, why was something not done? No, she's Gertrude. Yes. Okay. Manson ruled through manipulation. He was smart in that he was fucking playing chess and uh-huh. everybody else was playing checkers. Yeah. King me. Whereas... Sherry ruled through fucking fear. Mm-hmm. She would beat you or make someone else beat you into following her. She's not that brilliant. Right. And a shit human who is real, like a Disgusting. pedophile. Yes, and exactly. Like, I mean, not saying that Manson was perfect or what, but like, no, no, no. She's disgusting. And it's like, this is going to sound probably way worse than I actually mean it. But a lot of these kids, they're adults now, but I mean, one of them is a product of incest. You can tell here in their interviews that a lot of them have an intellectual disability. Yeah. So she's not Manson who was able to manipulate a typically developed person. She beat and put the fear 
in people who are intellectually underdeveloped because of her because of her exactly so I, like i almost didn't even say that about the manson thing because it was like i don't want to give her that much fucking credit because right. she does not deserve to be put as far as like her manipulative tactics and abilities right. manson's a piece of shit and i'm not saying that oh my god how could we ever compare her but i'm saying they're not the fucking same so i don't like I think that that gives her the big head and makes her think that she's better than she is when she gets compared to Manson. That's what I mean because she's still alive and still probably doing some of the same fucking shit. So that's what I mean by I didn't even want to say it. I'm not trying to put Manson on a pedestal. I'm trying to keep her from feeling bigger and better than she actually is. Yeah. So that's the Finley, Ohio version of wild what? white yes of the west or whatever you yeah said. this is the fucking wild brooks of finley ohio and Ugh. the horrible death of Virgo regal and that's what that whole documentary is called it's called good night sugar babe like colon the death of or the murder of Virgo regal and it's called good night sugar babe because well that was her nickname you see why i didn't call her sugar babe the whole yeah. time but when they were leaving the house with her to go kill her Sherry goes, good night. And she goes, good night, sugar babe. Oh, God. That was the last thing she said to Sherry. That's so sad. I know. It's a really awful story. It breaks my heart. I mean, just from all aspects, this family was failed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just so much incest and sexual assault and just everything happened to these kids. I don't understand why the last four were able to stay with Sherry. Right. And, and you can't, you know, you kind of can't blame the kids for coming back to what they know. I mean, Sherry. Because even, so does she do. It, it, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> whatever you just said. I just but tried yeah. to say it, but yes, yeah, so did, so did she. she. Because it was all she had at the point because she had aged out of the mm-hmm. foster system. And But when it's all you know, it's all you know. However, not everyone who is an abu- who is abused becomes yeah. an abuser. Absolutely, and they all should be held accountable for yes. their actions. Which is why I say that I really think y'all should watch this documentary. It's like a lower budget documentary, and it's kind of like back and forth, and it shows a lot of people, and it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's good, and you really get to see sherry like when she's lying she's going yeah, and her boyfriend. It was a black boyfriend. His name was um. Like you said, like yeah. you're pretending like you can't remember right. this detail when you fucking know it's a fucking lie. And then Shannon sitting there with Michael and they're telling this story. And I'm like, you were involved. Yeah. You're telling this story like all these other people are the bad guys in this story for abusing her. But you fucking sat there. And then Shannon, you fucking blamed your miscarriage on her, which mm-hmm. led to more abuse. Yep. And then just the smirk on Shannon's face when she's clearly trying to not smirk. And like, I had to rewind it. I was like, did she just smirk? I had to rewind it because it was, you almost missed it, but it was like, no, that tells me you fucking thought that was funny Uh shit. Bad word. Oh God. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So thank you, Zoe, for this story. They're all despicable. Not Zoe. I don't know after this story. (laughs) No, Zoe's not. Zoe knows I love her. So thank y'all so much for all the recommendations. Yeah. Really weird that both of us did an Ohio right thing. Like what? Both very weird. Yours, terrible, 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 terrible. 
like on the scale, I can't say like R.I.P. Lawrence slash Fritz, but he's still an asshole. How he like maybe I will, maybe I won't to his wife that time. Mm-hmm. But like on the scale of asshole, he's not even on the scale anymore after your story. I know. Well, because there's 800 people in my story that just kept bumping him down to the bottom, yeah. and then he disappeared from it. Yeah. Just like he did in your story. Oh, good one. Didn't even plan that. Uh, well, that I can imagine. <laughs> hey, thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the shiz, and remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.